Episode 15 Interview with Katasta Fakara Okay, so hello and welcome everyone to uh, the Earth Centre podcast here in in Coventry. Uh, It's good to be with you all again. Uh, Your hosts uh, for this episode are myself, Bixana Sebik, and... And me, Yatepia Tutsawa. How are you doing? Uh, So we help to to run the, the school and temple here in the Midlands in the United Kingdom, as you may well know uh, from previous podcasts. Um, Firstly... I'd like to acknowledge Nebnabala Musa Muradenibik um, for his work, his sacrifices as founder of the Earth Centre and the reason why we're here today, one of the reasons why we're here today. I'm going to kick off uh, this podcast interview uh, with a saying that Nebnabala Musa um, uh, brought to us, that wise people are like stars in the sky. They enlighten the sky and reduce the thickness of the night. If you cannot be a star in the sky, be at least a firefly on earth. And with us today is fellow initiate uh, from the London Temple, whose name is Katasta Fakara. She is uh, from the first group um, of initiates, or we call generation, um, of initiates in London and has the position of head mayor. So she holds the responsibility of head mayor for the London School and has done for quite some time and it's growing. We'll hear maybe a little bit more about that. Um, How are you today, um, Katasta? Okay, greetings. Ujjayi. Thank you, Big Star. And thank you, Yetepia, for inviting me on the podcast. Uh, first of all, I too want to acknowledge the world of the divine and I want to acknowledge our ancestors and the Makuru, Nebnaba, Lamusa Modern Denibek. And I want to acknowledge my teacher, Naba Ilita Shimira, mm-hmm. son of Master Naba. So I am well. I am actually very well. Um, coming out of yesterday's celebration where we had the ancestral holy day. And we were celebrating the life of Neb Naba and the time that, it, the, you know, uh, anniversary of his transition. So we had a really beautiful time at the school yesterday. And, and you know, I've gone straight into that because, because of all of this lockdown situation, the school had not had an opportunity to meet like that. So it was the first time the school were able to meet again. Initiates were able to share have discussions and and sharing you know food and that whole energy so it was it was a really lovely evening yesterday wonderful wonderful likewise we we had the same here in the midlands um with our our different generations coming together um even for the first time and and sitting and um celebrating makaru's life uh sharing stories about his life and and what it means to to us all um, but then also um, having time to to really enjoy some food together and you know and and the same space together. So we we're coming off the back of that too. So thank you for your time. Um, I know you're very busy, 
thank you for the time for, for joining us and we thank the ancestors for connecting us and bringing us all together in, in, in this today. Um, you're, you're part of, you've been part of the establishment of, of London and you know the growth of that temple um, over the years. But before that, firstly, maybe you can share something of your journey to, to the Earth Centre. Okay, so uh, the Earth Center, I think, and the teachings of the temples was a culmination of probably over 35 years of actively seeking traditional ways and uh, connecting, reconnecting with Earth and um that whole energy uh, for many years uh, from in my teenage years um, so I'm in my 50s now right so in my teenage years I was walking the road of Rastafari and if anyone knows about Rastafari it deals specifically with African traditions but also with the nature about returning to nature um, but it deals with the spiritual level, clean heart, clean mind. So keeping your temple pure. And that also meant about eating foods, planting your own food. So during that journey, I went to live in Jamaica for 15 years where I was living amongst the Rastafari community and living that whole life. And it was about finding God. I wanted to find this God because the, you know, being a Christian when I was a child and, and, you know, going through Christianity, then Buddhism and then all the other roles that I took, I, I, I needed to get closer to that spiritual side and that, that natural, the earth was a part of it. So, you know, Rastafari, uh, liberty, way of life was a huge part of my becoming. And during those years, I went to visit Ghana, and visit Senegal, Gambia, and even in the times I visited, I was going into the bush and watching uh, initiation ceremonies where children had gone into the bush and they were now returning to the village and there was a whole village, you know, experience of these young ones going and having these traditional celebrations. And we did traditional drumming with, you know, a group of women that I taught who used to do all of that. So it was very always cultural for me. And then um, back to the UK and I was studying herbal medicine. Um, that's what my degree is in. And I was practicing natural medicine and very much in the community. And one day I was sitting at home and I saw popped up on my, uh, my laptop this uh, leaflet saying, the Dogons are coming to the UK. <laughs> now, I was like, what? So obviously on my, you know, search into history, because I didn't mention that, you know, I've read a lot of, you know, um, African books, um, um, African political books, you know, very much that whole, you know, remit. And of course, Dogons came up in that. So I'd known about the Dogons and, you know, I'd watched the videos. And so, you know, and to think that these people were coming here, I was like, what? I've got to go and see them. So I made sure I put that date down. 
and from the first date that I came and I sat and I watched, uh, it was Naba, Zeshmi, Nikita, and there was um, another sister there as well. Um, I never let go. Every, you know, talk that they did, I was following them around the UK, wherever they went, I was following them. And then they went away, you know, and we were here on a list waiting for them. And it took about two years, nearly two years later before I was at home one day. And uh, I think another initiate who's an initiate now, Melissa, if it wasn't, somebody texted and said, oh, the Dolkens are here in Brixton today. It was like two years later. And I just dropped everything. <laughs> and I just made my way to Brixton. And that was it from the held on. And, you know, after that, we got into initiation. Because now that I've come back now to set up the school here in the UK. So, so what was it that, like, after all of this um, knowledge that you'd accumulated, this view, the perspectives that you had, the experience that you is you that you had in, you know, in Ghana and in Jamaica, etc. What was it that made you one follow them around, but two want to know more, want to, you know, to to take it further with them? As opposed to other groups, I'm sure you remember, you know, sort of with, with in contact with a diff, different varieties of knowledge and information and groups. But what was it about them? And then what made you made that transition from, you know, researching to now I want to become an initiate. I want to go through the the initiation with them. OK, uh, so for your first question. So, yes, over the years, I've been in many organizations in terms of you know sat in in their sessions and, and learned so i've learned from many different organizations um when it comes to the uh teachings of the dogons i have always been guided by my ancestors there's there's a spirit that comes and it just you just know when that one comes that's the one you follow so when it showed up and it, everything was in alignment so you know we don't question that one and it's it's a way i've always lived that's why when i left at 19 for example and i was going to you know jamaica and going in the hills with rust and everybody was saying oh my god she's gone mad what's she doing and that spirit had was just there so i was following it it's, so i'd always been following that spirit so it showed up again with the dogons you know and but on the other side when i saw the humility and how these people spoke with clear um, concepts. And even though I didn't understand, you know, some of the concepts they were bringing, but something inside me did, something just resonated. And how they carried themselves, how they spoke, and the fact that when they were coming from the indigenous temple and that had always been part of the journey back to Africa was to also understand the traditional knowledge you know that the ancient spirituality so everything just fit and they delivered just perfectly for me mm. and so what made you make that next step it was a natural process i don't think it was a i don't think i thought about it because my spirit was already engaged so I was just following. 
Mm. Yeah, so it wasn't even a... It, 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 it just was. It wasn't something I had to think about. That was the next stage of my life. Because my life had actually been outside the system. I wasn't a nine to five. I had managed to survive with my ancestors and the spirit outside of the system. I think I worked for one year full time in all of my years. Mm. And for the rest of the 30 odd years, I was surviving outside the system. So I was never caught up in that. So when they arrived, it was a natural um, progression in my spiritual journey. Mm. Mm. So um, with all the, the, you know, the challenges that you have in initiation, everybody has challenges. Um, they're the same, but yet they're unique to the individual. Um, what is it that has kept you in the Earth Center? What is it your What is your drive? What is your your goals? What has kept you consistently on that path? The spiritual aspect, the deities, the ancestral knowledge, getting more and more understanding of that connection with the um the ancestors and then yeah for me the deities because you know from a child i've always been about this kind of concept of god um and even when i went to jamaica at that time i was looking for god you know there was the culture but there was this concept of god and i wanted to understand god not from the perspective i'd been given but really understand this spiritual side of things so it's rich the earth center is rich with spirituality and you know understand the deity i mean what's not to love so for me it's about that and yes but you know the challenges mm-hmm. that are really within oneself mm-hmm. because what presents itself to you as a challenge on the outside is really just a situation but how you manage that situation then becomes your challenge and so the challenge really is with you and how you are becoming how one is becoming so yes we do all have challenges but the challenges is 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 within and then when something that appears like an obstacle how do you maneuver that and actually by maneuvering and and getting through that challenge you know your strength is built your skills are built your intellectual capacity is built because you're having then to think and work out how do i deal or manage the situation so you're actually growing which again is part of the whole idea about initiation you're Mm. supposed to be growing you know so it's how you see any given situation which you one calls a challenge hmm. as macaru says welcome your challenges as your friend because you know you always have that friend that tells you something that you don't want to hear but they're not doing it for their benefit they're doing it for yours and that's what challenges do it helps you to refine yourself look at yourself and work out what is it about this challenge that i am finding hard <laughs> what is about that challenge so you find um the first thing that happens what i what i've come to realize first thing that happens with with me anyway is when I have a challenge is fear fear is always first and that's because fear is up here because we live in a society full of fear so fear is right at the top so anything that comes across it's like <gasps> what do I do now but yes. yeah it's it's about bring raising those qualities bringing them yes. to the surface so that you can overcome that challenge and it prepares you for the next one because challenges don't stop 
<laughs> and I think it's in, it, I think that is important in identifying because fear, like you say, is a huge one. And fear masks a lot of things. It could mask your own feelings of inaptness. It could mask your own feelings of insecurity. Fear is a word that really stands in front of a myriad of other things mm. and so yes it's then what is that aspect of fear that you know you then need to tighten up or strengthen or or grow you know and, and become stronger and that is the hardest thing to deal with yourself yeah because many people prefer to kind of project it elsewhere and yeah. not look at themselves because to face yourself is really you know one of the challenges and again, you know, what I love about this and it's that, you know, you're constantly having to face yourself. But I also love the fact that there are others in the Earth Center that are willing to do that. And so you're you're with people who are on that road wanting to walk the road of divine. We're not talking about perfection. We are not perfect, <laughs> right? I think we're not we're no such thing. We're not perfect, but we're all trying at least. And we need to we have our own personalities and our own stuff going on right yeah. but you know like you say what the macro said when you welcome that and you try to navigate and, and overcome your fears then you grow wonderful and when you started off um you also uh, acknowledged your teachers um, and I want to acknowledge you as one of my teachers because I, I initiated in the London Temple. I was very fortunate to, to have initiated anyway. And then in the London Temple as it was on its path of growth. Um, and so I acknowledge that. Thank you um, for, for your work to, to share with me um, what I couldn't see about myself and uh, what I could not see outside of myself, but also within along that journey. Um, one of the things within the Earth Center is there are many teachers um, that have been left by the Makaru. Um, so we have a, a richness of, of knowledge, a source of knowledge, which is very pure and been preser preserved. Uh, it has a great lineage um, and uh, encompassing the earth, the ancestors, the divine world. So all of these aspects of spirituality that you were seeking. Um, so there's these teachers, but there's one teacher in particular um, who we've just commemorated, uh, Nebnaba, whose teachings um, and presence we feel. What is there anything you want to share with um, what his presence um, has meant to you in your in your life and in your you know this journey? Um, where you picked up when those Dogon initiates came in first off and then since then. Is there anything you want to share about him, given, you know, of the, the significance of yesterday, his the, the commemoration of his passing? For me, um, I think the only word I can say in this English language that I have is I'm just so grateful. Um, it takes a special human being to literally come and give his life for others you know we hear other well we hear other groups they may be religious group but others talk about people in that particular way um and they're known as saviors or different things but you know um to 
come and give your life to bring this message and why this means so much to me is that I that my spirit has always been searching to reconnect home since the time that we were ripped from that continent my spirit has always been searching to go back home what Ned never did he built a bridge from the temples so that those of us who were exiled, we use the word exiled in the West, could use that bridge and cross over and reconnect with the spiritual side of things, with the deities, with the ancestors and bypass, you know, the Judaism, the um, uh, Muslim, it bypassed that and put us straight to the source. And he was aware and conscious that he was bringing it. So not just for us who were exiled, but certainly for me being one of the exiled in the West, you know, um, but he brought it for humanity. But for me on a personal level, that was what my soul needed. So it's like drinking from a fountain of life and that's what he brought that fountain of life so that's why gratitude is just a small word i can't find a word great enough that i really have to say and that's why i acknowledge naba because naba took the mantle and it was just an honor to be his student as well you know so you, you we were getting that directly so yeah that's what i would say I like the way you've said that, um, you know, some pe people were exiled from the motherland and how we was ripped away from it and we fought. And um, now that um, Prophet Naba has built a bridge for us not to fight, but to walk back home to our, 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 our place where our spirit belongs. And... Um, you're right, gratitude is not a big enough word. There isn't even a concept that I can think of to, to, um, to relay that depth of gratitude that not only us in the Earth Centre owe, but the generations to come who will learn about this. Um, they will be indebted to his teachings because it's, it's not just initiation, you learn knowledge, it's a life changer. Yeah. And it's not just your life that changes, it's the descendants, your descendants' lives that change. And even people you don't meet, they will watch. They'll have to see a bit and then they can change. And we become um, teachers through our expression. We don't have to physically speak to them, but we will be the light as the fireflies, your quote that you mentioned earlier on in the beginning. <laughs> on earth. So, yeah. As you know, my two children came through initiation with me so at the time they were about 9 and 11 now um so they um you know going through initiation and then there's been the teenage years where you know they're finding themselves but you know certainly my 18 going to 19 now you know he's made full circle and he's now appreciating more because now especially was what's happening in the world where people now are looking for meaning you know in all of this and actually he's got this reservoir of knowledge that he can open his mouth and speak to people his own age who are now looking and he's had 
you know, he's had Rastafari previous, and now he's had the Earth Center. And, you know, my other younger son, who's, you know, at that stage of finding himself, he too is able to expound. And, you know, they've been uh, on the radio show, which we had the Wisdom of the Nile show, speaking quite, you know, um, openly about their journey and, and that uniqueness of where they are. So I personally have seen how it's passed to the next generation. So they have a real connection mm. with their, um, with their, uh, the, the temples and the spirituality, but not just that, I see the potential of where they now can disseminate that to the young minds because, I'm sorry, as elders, the youths don't want to hear us. They do not want to hear them. They want to hear other youths like themselves. Yeah. So when they speak, they will listen. So, you know, it, it's transcending generations. Yeah. As uh, Makaru said, the brain cannot invent. We're very good at mimic mimicking and copying. So we learn through that. So we need, um, I wouldn't say role models. I'd say um, the word I'm looking for, examples. Um, those that will stand without, um, without fight but will stand solid in their conviction of what they know, not what they believe, but what they know and what how they think and how they can express to others. Um, like you're saying, you can see the, the transcending from generation to generation and mine's gone to third generation now, or second, third generation if you include myself now. So yeah, I know I, it's, it's, it deepens your um, conviction of the path that you're walking you say yeah i can see the evidence for myself i can see what's going to happen i can see the change that they're going to make in the world so yeah it, right. it is good um thank you for that so we are going to move on to the next part of um this interview with you um Katasta. um you know you are um, there are more there is also more um traditional perspectives there are um the roles of man and woman um elder child um everyone in um a comedic lifestyle has a role has the opportunity to do to use their lives to further others spiritual growth um and from a comedic perspective i'd like to open up the topic of the feminine define feminine as you are a mother and a wife and a daughter, uh, perhaps an aunt or a niece, or, you know, you hold, a, <laughs> you hold, hold grandmother down the line, you know, you hold a very, you hold um, a very, very important role in humanity because without woman, Sorry to say, but there'd be no men, okay? <laughs> I, I'm not arguing with that. <laughs> I'm not fighting that one. <laughs> no, you know. <laughs> um, so I'd like to hear your perspective on the role of a woman, the divine feminine, what, what we're about, what we can give, what's missing, what needs to be known. There's so much <laughs> what needs to be known um, to empower um women to give them a sense of this is me this is what i need to be doing and now with this knowledge this comedic perspective this knowledge that i'm hearing i can now move forward as a woman okay wow so i think i'll start with 
um, yesterday at the school, for example. So let me start there. So um, we have had some food prepared. And because there was quite a large group of us on the outside, and I thought there wasn't enough space to put all the cooked food, so we'd keep them inside. And so I was in the kitchen, some of the sentees were eating in the um, in the main room, and then, you know, some more people outside. One of the senu came, and they said, oh, Mayor, um, all the food, I didn't realise it was in here. And I came out, and I realised, okay, because, remember, these are sentees from, you know, the West. Now, that would have never happened in the traditions. You would not have had the dinner cooked and the women would have been there eating and they had not gone first to see that the men had eaten or even any of the others or the elders, for example. Mm. So, and I had to address that and I said, okay, you know, I realised that, you know, you need, and I, you know, we can look at that as leadership and, and say, okay, that should have, you know, actually have been said to them, but maybe just actually thought, okay, they'd understand. But no, because of the thinking in this side of the world, in terms of, you know, it's thought, well, woman serve a man. Because even up to the point I was saying, look, when you get to Medita, you know, and when we're there, you know, doing what we're doing, and, you know, if we have an eye shut or, and if we're, because this was fasting, and I said, if we're fasting, the women have to wake up, if we're at the school, we're going to clean the school, you know, we're going to do the, and then we'll prepare the breakfast before dawn, and then we'll give it to the brothers who, yes, are just waking and coming out of their bed. And the sentries were like, what? Like, you haven't good what? I was like, yes, that's how they do the traditions and then somebody piped up and said but that's not different from what our grandmothers used to do so it's it's actually a lot closer to home and so this is in respect to our men so we can talk about divine family but in respect to the the, the sharing because i think what has happened with this whole idea of feminism and with this whole idea of women being independent Dependent, there has been this withdrawal of that nurturing, not just of our children, but of our males. Hospitality. And in the traditions, they show you that the woman brings that love. She not only stands as that spiritual side in the home, she's not just that spiritual element, but she's the nurturer. Now, when a man is no longer with his mother, if the woman thinks that she is not also nurturing her husband, then she doesn't yet understand herself as a woman. Because the feminine side of herself is a nurturer. That's why we have Aisha with the baby on the breast. It doesn't just mean a child. It's a symbolic image for nurturing. so um so i think within not just the traditions i think even closer to the home we saw that in the caribbean our grandmothers they were and you have that in kemet the the woman was the glue 
that held. She was that, that constant. So there could be the coming and going, but she held everything together. She made sure you were fed. She made sure you were cared for. She made sure if you were sick, you were healed. She was that that centrifuge, that, that middle pillar. Mm. And then the man also has his role. And so this independence that's, you know, is espoused, independent of what? Can you be independent of yourself and your nature? Can you be independent of that? The man has his role and the woman has a role. You know, I remember when um, I was first um, going into a full relationship with my husband. And one of the things he likes is um, his onions. He likes them minced really a lot. So, you know, before that, I used to just cut the onions up. You know, you slice the onions, you put them in the pot, but he doesn't like to taste them. And I remember saying to a girlfriend, oh, you know, my husband, he wasn't, I don't think we were married at the time, but anyway, um, he doesn't, like. he likes it diced up. And I remember saying, so you're going to spend your time in the kitchen every day you're going to cook cutting up his, his onions small. I remember that was a response. And I looked at her and I thought, and I, I said, but if I say I'm with this man and I love this man and I'm going to be with this man and I can't just take that extra minute or two to cut up an onion for him, I mean, then what's this relationship going to be about? You know, and, and I think that's the thing. There was all of these power dynamics that comes in instead of the woman just being, just being. Uh, what you just said then about um, the man has a role. Well, in tradition, um, and this is part of where the separation comes from in the West, is that in tradition, a man would go out to provide for the household. He would be the, the the hunter or the farmer, but he would be physically doing something for the house and he'd bring his things to the woman for her to care for the family. So a woman get a woman getting up in the morning and cleaning the house, it was in preparation for him to bring his things to the woman for her to care for everybody. The thing is over here in this part of the world in the West, there's no longer that. The man will go out to his job and come home and nothing is seen nothing is brought home on a daily basis for the woman to recognize and keep in mind that he's going out to provide so now we go out and we earn money oh there you go you go and get the stuff mm -hmm. so the woman is then divorcing herself from his role because it's not clear enough Mm -hmm. So it's why am I do why am I cutting up that extra bit of onion when 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 I can spend my time doing something else because he's not doing anything why am I spending my time in the kitchen looking after this man when I can't see him doing anything so because the role is there but we're fighting against it because we can't see it yeah and it also extends to the children because now yeah. when the woman is let's as they say we're equal right so in this modern world they say men and women are equal so you can go out and work nine to five hours just as him and you can be a builder which fine okay you can do all of those things but when we come back to the simple foundations of life the basics the woman has no greater role than being a mother yeah 
And when you sacrifice motherhood to be equal with a man, so you're doing the nine to five, who is mothering your children? Yeah. And so we begin to see the breakdown of the society because the children no longer have clear roles, are no longer being cared for and nurtured. Remember you said from the very beginning, that symbol was about nurturing. Who is nurturing our children? Mm. When she's busy, be equal to the man. Yeah. And so the traditions maintain that, and that's what I really love. They maintain that mother role they may they, they maintain that you know that the woman is there taking care of the children and she can still go to the bush she can still do things in fact as we know in the tradition when she goes out if she does make something that's for her yeah <laughs> <laughs> you hear that <laughs> i saw that look at her loud, loud and clear <laughs> Right? So, it, it, you know, the woman was, and we've seen throughout history, women in, in, and I'm talking about African history, Kemetic history, women have held key roles. It was never divorced from her, but that role took into her account her key role, which was mother. So it included that, whereas here it's exclusion, and there you have a recipe for disaster. Mm. I mean, in the West, we have, well, two saints. In fact, there's more than that. Happy wife, happy life. And <laughs> behind every successful man is a strong woman. In, in tradition, we know that the woman is the stability, stability um, of the, the, the household, the children, the family, the husband. Because if she's unstable, the household's unstable. That's right. That's so, right. yeah. And, you know, when we were with the Vodon Queen, you know, some of the things that, you know, she shared, and it, it's so wonderful, you know, <clears throat> understanding this, if you use the word, the concept of, you know, the divine feminine or understanding even just yourself as an aspect of the divine feminine and what that symbolism or what that... Um, divinity represents then you're a spark mm. of that divine feminine when you are with your man you allow when he comes into your space and your being what you are doing is representing that fullness of nature but you represent that divine feminine that he comes to for that nurturing and that nurturing can be on many levels from sexual from being in the home from being that mother replacement from being a friend you represent that divine feminine as aisha was there with that devotion to be there for her husband because she understood that if she didn't use her powers through magic or whatever power she had to help her husband to restore that he couldn't fulfill what he was meant to do so the two went in one because when the two of them became one heru became and that was both of their existence now coming into into life mm. so we need each other yeah and it's about being clear about what the man being clear about without the insecurities oh well we're human you can have insecurities but at least trying to understand his insecurities 
and the woman understanding herself. And it, I think it comes back to what we were speaking about earlier, where we're talking about in what the earth center does and um, understanding about looking within self, because that's what each and everyone has to do, male mm. or female, we have to go back within ourselves and look at ourselves and understand, as we say, fit into nature. Yeah. Brings us back to challenges again. What is it about ourselves that's challenging, challenging us not to take up the role of a man or the woman? What are those perceptions that we are coming with that we need to get rid of in order to fix, fix and fit together? Yeah. You've shared a lot already and for people to um, be nourished with, drink from, uh, in relation to the comedic fountain of knowledge, um, perspective, the traditional ways that, as we said, and as you've said, walking back to, um, bridging to, you know, how um, humanity was in a stable place, growing in harmony and in alignment with all, nature, each other, the earth, um, the ancestors and the divine. Um, just as we, we start and to, to draw this to a, a close, but I do want to ask you one more question. You mentioned the spirituality, the spiritual aspect of a woman. It's very important. Many of the things that you've talked of, you know, are very practical, very, um, you know, the nurturing, um, you know, of the man, the child, the, the, ham, the, the home. That's spiritual in nature, yes. But is there anything you want to share and open up? We don't have to close it or complete it, but just to open up that, that spiritual side that's, that's seen as such an important aspect in of the woman or the feminine in tradition. Okay, so <laughs> I think I would go with here that when we come to earth we come with certain things and if I just simply look at it from what I have seen just in my life growing up in my culture I have seen where women around me had the gift of foresight. They would go to bed and dream and then could wake up in the morning and you counsel on what you should and shouldn't do because of the messages that were given to them. I've known other instances where women have been able to tell you and actually let me give a very um common one that really is a basis for most of us in in certainly the caribbean and um i'm sure that came out of milita where simple thing like when a new life was going to come in there would be the dreaming of fishes. Um, yeah, Tepia, I'm sure you're familiar with that one, right? Yeah. And that's quite known amongst us. It's almost a given amongst us. 
that when a life is coming, the spiritual world sent us this image of fishes to let us know that someone is with the child. I would share with you that when I was coming, and I was six months within my mother's womb. Well, actually, I wasn't six months yet, but she was pregnant with me. She was in Jamaica. And my grandmother who was here got a dream from her grandmother who had already transitioned and gave her a baby and said, take this now. My grandmother had seven children. Five were in Jamaica and five of them were all women. And she knew when she woke that it was my mother that was pregnant. And in those days it was telegrams. And she sent a telegram to Jamaica and said, is Meryl pregnant? You know, I had a dream. My mother came to me and, you know, she said, yes. And so I, she said, I have to take her because my great-grandmother told her to take me. And so they had to wrap me down in my mother's womb. So by six months, because at the time, you weren't allowed to come into the country pregnant because they didn't want you to have babies here. So she would have had to have taken pregnancy tests. So she actually had to duck the line and get her way out of the airport. So she did not, <laughs> did not um, have to do the test or she would have been sent back. So when you talk about spirituality, it's very, very close. But what happens is we are in a world that doesn't recognize that. So you'll find that a lot of us don't even speak about that huge part that is in our lives and that we actually know about amongst us, even before we go into anywhere else. Mm. So it's actually a huge part in our lives, but the, the society that we live in does not welcome that kind of talk. And so it's suppressed, but it's actually very strong. Thank you so much. Duao. Um, there's so much in what you said. Um, couple of terms sentis and sentu brothers and sisters yeah. in brothers medu the original hieroglyphic language and also merita uh, being um, the traditional name uh, for the land that is now known as um, africa um, but in tradition um, the word merita meaning beloved land and yeah. so um, thank you for all that you've shared and all that that can be received now um, out there in Spotify and Anchor FM and all around <laughs> um, for for listeners to um, to appreciate to, to hear to uh, to work with um, so do well for that thank, thank you, you very much um, the the ability for us to now connect to humanity's ancestral wisdom and knowledge and culture um, is there. Um, I'd like to leave us uh, listeners with, before we hear any closing comments from you, uh, Katasta and, and Yetepia, just like to leave a little um, gulmu wisdom to think about, uh, which is, it's a saying, which is the one who is looking for knowledge is like an arrow shot towards the sun. If that arrow ever touches the sun, it will not come back to earth. But if it touches the sun and comes back 
it will no longer be an arrow. Anything you'd like to share before we close off? Katasta? I, I just concur with that one. That I think that says it all. I don't think I can add to that. I don't <laughs> think I will add to that. I think that was a beautiful closing. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. And it's like we're just opening up the topic of the feminine. That's mm. got so much more to come to. So do well for that. And your sharing of your initiation and, and leading up to it and your, your story. So thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Duo. <laughs> so we'll speak to you all again soon. Uh, sharing some more knowledge and more uh, traditional knowledge, kinetic knowledge and stories with you in the future. So listen out for the, the next episodes and to say also that um, uh, there is the Wisdom of the Nile show mm -hmm. which happens each week on a Wednesday um, and so do listen in to that where um, Hatani Katasta um, Hatani being those that came before um, uh, as, a, as, a, as a role, as a position uh, and uh, other initiates from the London Temple um, share wisdom and knowledge on a weekly basis so do well to you all and we will speak to you again soon Thank you very much. Yuri Haru. <laughs>